0: Good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and this is Story U Talk Radio. We are based in the Seattle area at KKNW 1150 AM. You can always catch us globally with the app, and you can always catch those replays on iTunes or on podcast one. That's all one word, podcast one. In fact, I even realized uh, just the other day that I can listen to the podcasts on the KKNW app. So you got three ways to do it right there. And then I have my handy dandy virtual assistant and she loves to put things on my website. That's www.coachdebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y.com. And then I've also got, what's that thing called? Uh, That fun video place. YouTube, there it is. I knew my brain would come back. YouTube, got lots of recordings up there. So that's under my full name, Debbie Handrich. Just like it sounds. I'm so glad you have reserved time for the show today. We have one full hour to talk about what to talk about the idea that it is safe to love again. And I I really love the title of this book. You're going to be introduced to my guest and the author of the book in just a moment. I love the idea, is it safe to love again? His title is actually Safe to Love Again because most of us, well, we've already taken a shot or two or a hundred at it, right? And we're just wondering... Is it okay to go back out there? Is this our time? Would this be good for us? I bet a lot of you are thinking, oh man, I got questions in that department. And if you do, I want to welcome you to send those my way. I've already got a few people who are writing in. You can reach me on Facebook Messenger. And again, that's uh, my personal account. That's Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, Handrich. Just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. And you can write to me at my email, Debbie at debbiecom I always say I feel like a pilot here. You know, I got my, I got all these screens in front of me, all this great stuff going on. So I want to say hi to those people that are Listening live right now. Hello, Drew. Hello, Angela. Hello, Patty. Hello, Cynthia, way out there in North Dakota, listening through some kind of app. What do you call that? Tune in. Hmm. Tune in. I didn't know you could do that live. That's pretty cool. Uh, Julie is listening. Christine, listening. My pal, Tim, might be listening. Hannah. Is listening and Zach, so we've got a nice crew right now, and and Tori, thank you, Tori from Maine. Wow, we better bring we better bring the engineer on the show. I got questions here. Uh, meet Eric, Eric, our engineer. Hi, Eric. Hey, good afternoon. Happy Thursday, Debbie. Happy Thursday to you. I'm so excited. People on the other side of the country can listen live.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, our website
2: uh, makes it easy, 1150kknw.com. But also, you mentioned the app, and that's fantastic for listening live wherever you're at.
0: Mm-hmm. Tune in. Tune What's, in works as well. So, that HD thing, uh, I don't have a car. I know that HD3 is where people turn it, 98. in 98.9 HD3. Yeah. So, if you got a HD radio, you can, in the Seattle area here, mm-hmm. you can listen to us on the HD dial. Oh, that's so fancy. The world is so fancy <laughs> now. Okay. Well, listen, everyone, I have found a great and wonderful person for you to talk to today. I listened to him on the Lisa Gar show. I really love that show. Um and I just felt like, wow, here here's a very, very down to earth man who I I really feel like is both that down-to-earth in his real life, and also extremely knowledgeable. His name is Dr. Gary Salyer, and he comes to us to talk about this idea that it is safe to love again. So without further ado, I would love to welcome you to the show, Gary. How are you today, my friend?
1: I am doing well, Debbie, and thank you for having me on the show. This is an honor and
0: a privilege. Oh, thank you so much for being here. You know that I am a teacher of writing. I was at the college for a couple of decades helping people write their essays and articles and such. But I really wanted to branch out and help people write their books. And believe it or not, one of the topics people ask me about again and again and again is, can I write about love if I'm not a love expert? (laughs) <laughs> and I don't really know what it would take to be a love expert ex- except maybe to go through some love. So d- would you say Gary a- and you can just you can just roll with this with me. Would you say you're a love expert? I would.
1: I would. Uh, It's a brand new theory of attachment. On the other hand, I just have a good friend who published a book on love. She would not consider herself an expert, but she knows a lot about love. Mm -hmm. If you can channel the energy of love and you can write well, you can write on it. Now, it just so happens that, you know, i went the expert route, but there's lots of ways and paths to writing a book on love. So long as it touches people's hearts and opens the door for love in their heart, we're good. Mm
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's a good pitch. That's a great pitch. So uh, for anyone out there that was thinking about maybe taking a stab at that book, uh, let's talk about it. I'll, I'll just be real vulnerable here. I'm writing a book about love. And I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, although I would say I've got some lessons in me. Who, boy. And that heroic journey that I can't seem to resist in the love category has taught me a thing or two or a hundred. So I invite people, think about writing about love, but first, do some reading about love. I'm wondering, Gary, what inspired you to write this book?
1: Well, for me, it actually started in childhood. Uh, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. Divorces everywhere. My mother really had borderline personality disorder. And I just remembered how many people looked unhappy, aunts, uncles. And I remember at seven saying, I'm not going to be like this. So uh, I was the first person in seven generations to graduate from high school, Debbie. let alone get a Ph.D., Uh, so when I went to college, I, I said, I'm going to make sure none of this ever happens. So I, I had two degrees, one in religion and one in psychology. And my senior year, a uh, professor calls me and says, I'd like to have you take this psychological test. And then he told me the pros and cons of my personality and everything like that. And at the very end, he says, oh, by the way, you have a 90% chance of having a divorce. What? Yep, yep. And I remember being floored. This is my senior in college. So I literally, within two hours, I had walked over to the dean's office and told the dean I would be, be delaying graduation so I could take and get a, yet a third degree in marriage and family. And I won a 50-year wow. college to put this ghost away. So very determined young man. Glad I dodged that bullet. And 12 years later, this thing boomerangs. And now... I'm looking at a divorce. and I'm going, how did this happen? I did all these degrees. I did all this studying. So after that happened, I said, I'm going to lock this thing down. I did seven years of therapy. I did all sorts of, you know, John Bradshaw workshops and all this <laughs> and that. And I, you know, and four years, I got remarried. And four years later, I'm divorced. And I'm going, wait a second. And then I started doing more therapy and, And when I began to realize that I was running the same patterns after several failed relationships, I really came to a soul level decision. I said, you know, therapy's done me a lot of good, but it did not change my fundamental way of relating that some parting was still creating the same patterns. I had gotten really good at pain management, not truly loving. And I said, I don't know what it will be. But I dedicated my life to cracking the code so that nobody else had to go through this type of hard work that only got you halfway
0: there. So that's my story. I love your story. I I have a similar story, Gary. Um, What is it? Well, just the the idea, really, that... um, you know, I've wanted to crack the code for a long time. I didn't mean for it to come through my tears and everything else, but I, um, I, I really did feel a, a tremendous alignment and and belief that that love is is what we're here for. Not just romantic love, but I, I've really felt like we're we're here to love the world, and and romantic love is one of those many ways we channel it. So I was I was very very surprised uh when you know when my marriage didn't work. I was very surprised. I was floored. I couldn't believe it. I was going to be the first one in my family to you know triumph all this. And and that wasn't it. I I crawled out of a marriage. Um however, I think it was my dedication to love that also made me stand tall in front of the man I chose to divorce and say, it is our job and our duty to hire a professional and put our friendship and care for each other back together. I won't settle for less. And, yeah. and I really, really was blessed with him um well, he resisted it at first, but he got on board. He did get on board, and I, I'd say it, it saved both of us in a really wonderful way. We were able to only want the best for each other. And so then again, I thought I was delivered into the world of freedom and love, and oh, and I met someone, and he's beautiful and wonderful, and I still think he's beautiful and wonderful, but I ain't with him. And I, I, I would like to be. You know, I really would. But the bottom line was, what do you do when your highest values, they're not on the same list as your partner's highest values? You know, they got other ones. Yeah. So, again, there was a parting. And, and in this one, yeah, this this is a situation where it's, it's harder to grab hold of, of that. I don't know. That, that friendship that is just so everlasting. I, I want it, but we haven't really achieved it yet. Uh, maybe it's because we weren't fighters and and it just seems like there's less to put back together. We just mutually got along so well. But honestly, Gary, I go on and on about this to say I have always been deeply committed to the idea that love is not this thing that escapes us. Love is what we're here to do. And I think you believe that too.
1: No, it is. It's, you know, nobody comes out of the womb, uh, you know, hardwired to be like a reptile and to sit on a rock by themselves with any feelings. That's not how we come out. That may be okay for the backyard lizard, but we come out with a mammal brain that needs feelings and needs a bond. Yeah. Uh, we come out with our human brain that needs intimacies for someone to see into me and to see into them. You know, we come wired for intimate relationships and our being is not happy, nor our body, to be quite frank, until we have that connection.
0: Yes, it's so true. And and like you said, it's I I feel I feel like there's no part of us that escapes it. You know, there's there's our our being our our spirit, our emotions, our our body, our day in day out activity it it just infiltrates every part of our life and and if we um, find a way to be stoic and say nah freedom is where it's all at at some point that's gonna that's gonna run dry that's gonna be a real thin path to happiness so I I feel like books like yours really invite us to be saved into our present moment and into our future again. Can I ask, did you marry again? I, I am still looking for her. Yeah, I,
1: I am still looking for her. Uh, I am the most loving version of myself. And I'm not lonely, Debbie. Uh, yeah. It's not about getting married. It's about finding the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and for like you said, uh, someone who aligns, because my real purpose is to get this message out—that it is safe to love again—and that's going to, you know, include a lifestyle where I maybe have to travel, and I really want someone beside me. So it's about finding the right one, not yeah. just hitched. Uh, no, no, no. When we have this, we just got to be married. Uh, I've rarely seen that one work out with singles and couples I work with. But when you're when you are loving within yourself and it's not a, a horrible driving need, um, then it gives you the freedom to choose
0: well. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Don't make it your goal to just get hitched. It doesn't work so well. <laughs> you know what, Gary? We've got uh, we've got two breaks that we take during this show. So we're going to head off to break number one here. It'll just be for about two minutes. And for my listeners Get typing. I know you're thinking about your love questions. We'll be right back. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom.
2: Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
0: New message. Department
2: of the Social Security Administration, the reason of this call is to inform you that your social security number has been suspended
1: for suspicion of belief activity. If you do not contact us immediately, our account will be deactivated. For more information about this case file, press one before, call
0: immediately our department number. Three, two, three. This
2: is a scam. Thieves are misusing the Social Security Administration's authority and phone schemes to trick you into giving them money or personal information. They state there is a problem with your Social Security number or account. They claim there has been suspicious or fraudulent activity and you could be arrested or face other legal action. They even spoof SSA's main customer service telephone number on caller ID. Don't believe them. Don't provide any information. SSA employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent. Just hang up. If you suspect you've been contacted by an SSA scammer, call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. Get inspired. Every hour, right here on Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Welcome back to Story U Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, I am Coach Debbie. I'm your host for the hour. And I have invited Dr. Gary Salyer to join me today because we're talking about love. And we're talking about that really good, juicy, wonderful Long-lasting, life-lasting, yummy, absolutely delicious, fine and divine, wonderful. You get the drift, right? That good stuff. We're talking about that. Gary has said he's an expert in love. I'm a writer in love. What are you in love? Why don't you send us your questions? We want to know. In Gary's book, Safe to Love Again, he has three truths to live by. And we're going to take a look at some of these here. One is there are no unresourceful people, only unresourceful states of being. I think I get it, but I don't 100%. Will you tell me about that?
1: Sure. Um, People think, oh, you know. I've heard people say, "I'm, you know, I'm just a loser, right? Or, you know, I'm just unworthy, or I just, I just don't feel empowered." And we have. There are times when we all feel unresourceful. However, that's not who we are. We just have a state that feels unresourceful. It's not who we are. You know what has happened somewhere in the past. You know the brain had to take feeling powerful off the map, and then it gets labeled as somebody else. Oprah gets to be the empowered one, or my Aunt Susie gets to be the empowered one, or my sister, or my husband, or my kids, or whatever. It's just an unresourceful state. It is not who we are. There's always a resourceful state in us. It's just labeled as off-limits, not safe, somebody else, something else. If we can just make it safe for that for that um, to be identified with us, then we can have that resourceful state, whatever it is.
0: Mm, I like that. Here's one that's short and sweet and easy to remember. This truth is it's all adaptable. What does that mean?
1: Okay, it's all adaptable. We get this idea that this is just the way it is. You hear people say, you know, love, you know, it doesn't matter. I've had the same boyfriend over and over and over the same argument with couples over and over again but the brain one of the things we've found out in the last 20 years is the brain has neuroplasticity and it is adaptable now the part is is that You know, some part gets safe. At some point in time, Debbie, nothing was ever taken off the menu for the brain unless it was the safest deal available. So if we can't reach out for our loves, our brain says, if it's not safe as a kid, usually we take that out so we don't reach out. Or if it's not safe having a voice, then we take that off the menu. No brain ever reached for a limited state unless at one time the limited state was the best deal available. Mm -hmm. It was the safest deal available, but we can coach our coach uh, coax our brain so that it realizes, hey, you know, that was back then and we're a little bigger now and we can unleash those parts of us that have been labeled somebody else. And so that it's all flexible it is adjustable. That's what I do with my clients and couples all the time. We take that which was, you know, had to be pulled off and we make it safe to happen again, safe to love again.
0: Mm, I love that. We're going to save the last one for later on. You can all just wonder about that. Uh, I think, Gary, one of the reasons that it's hard for people to believe that it's safe to love again is they they put themselves in a, a repeat cycle. They They believe something about themselves or about the relationships they're having that just simply... Isn't true, but they can't seem to talk themselves out of it. You know, I just call this stuck. They're just stuck in something. Um, I, I know my first boyfriend. Pretty much anyone that I've I've really loved has said to me at some point, "I think we should break up because I don't want to get to that day when I let you down." Mm. so why don't you just go ahead and do it today huh is that what that is i mean it it kills when i hear that it just kills and yet um that's a repeat that's a repeat i get
1: i call that the paradise Lost syndrome
0: who's lost me them what
1: (laughs) well there's a what that's a preemptive move on his part to say i'm afraid when love will go away so i'll just get now for the little one, at one time, maybe love kept going away, going away. And this is some part of their brain trying to get control of this experience If by doing it themselves. It's a preemptive move. Mm-hmm. Underneath that, I'll take a wild gander's guess, is the fear that when does love go away? So I'll just make sure I, you know, you know it's like the person who has a car. And you know at 50... You know, 75,000 miles, you want to get rid of it before the transmission. Yep. (laughs) You know, uh, it doesn't, but cars aren't aren't people. And I'll bet you at one point in time, uh, that boyfriend lived through love going away. Yeah. The pain of having paradise lost. And so one part says, what's the best deal? The best deal is to get out before they break your heart. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a best deal. And now, what we would need to do is getting him uh, a full right to belong because he probably had more right to separate. Mm-hmm. And from that heartache, and separation feels better when you're getting away from the pain, but it creates pain for future partners. This is how the next pays for the ex. Yeah.
0: It's the next. Say it again. This is, you know, th- if
1: this happens later in life, it's how the next pays for the ex. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. 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 Uh-huh, yes, and you know, and that's that's something that uh a lot of pe- women um that I speak with are very wary of, you know that that they've invested you know oh a hundred grand into their therapy to get beyond the X, and are they going to mate and partner with someone that has made the investment to really be available for safe love again? exactly. Yeah, that's just a big fear on hold there. But you talk a lot about these rights, uh, the six rights. Mm -hmm. One is, you were just saying, the right to separate and belong. I like that they're in the same statement. What does that mean? Okay. This is,
1: I talk about these six rights. We probably just all let our, our readers have it. Between zero and three, a brain is given a set of rights or permission slips, Uh, about what sort of experiences are permissible, what they have a right for. Uh, They're given a full right to exist, which means it's good to be in the world and in their body, uh, fully connected to their emotions and their body. It's good, the world is a cozy cozy oyster. There's a full right to reach out for your needs, knowing that 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 mom and dad, or the, and then later year eleven will reach back, and and there's a balance of giving and taking. But it's all right to reach out versus reaching out with little alligator arms. I'm not sure they'll reach out, or over giving. There's a then the next one is a full right to separate and belong. Now originally that's when the toddler starts to walk and they realize for the first time, hey, I'm not mom and dad, I'm over here, and mom's over there, and so but they know they're a little vulnerable. So they get a right to be a me, but you know how children get all upset if you leave the room and you're not overlooking them? They know they need to be a part of a we. So they get a right to separate. You're not trying to control their experience. They're not trying to tell them what to do. They get to be me, but with the empowering we that protects so they feel cherished and protected. As adults, that's when we know after a hard day's work, we have a spouse, a partner, who will be the safety net under the high wire act of our life as we go out and explore. And this is what creates couples. This right creates couples. Whenever it gets wounded, if you get way too much right to separate, it's better to be a me than in that we remember the last time we <laughs> were in a we? Oh man, that was one heck of a ride. You know? Then and then two me's are always gonna, you know, my my statement is show me a couple with without a uh a we and I'll show you a war. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so this is the one that allows them to have that beautiful we that's a third entity in the relationship that they both invest in, and then that becomes the arbiter of their needs. And they're more invested in the we than the me. Mm-hmm. All successful couples have a we. And then the other three rights is a right to create your own experience. You have to be good and bad, weak and sad, you know, uh strong powerful and everything in between and you get to create your own experience not someone else be the standard mm-hmm. uh, fully la- lusting a lasting love is um you have a full right to uh assert your voice you have voice and choice you get to have your wins uh instead of choose what you don't want uh somebody's going to share influence with you um your co-creators of experience and then a full right to love and be loved. You get to love and be loved, not I get to love them, but they don't love me as much, or I get to be loved, and I don't have to love them as much. It's a reciprocal thing. When you have all six of these rights, then you have what I call a secure love style. Uh, when you have all six, you rarely choose poor partners or create bad relationships because the feelings you have are welcomed with joy, worthy and nourished, cherished and protected, empowered with choice. These are the feelings, and you use those as reference points, and that's what's guiding people to secure partners, great partners, and lasting love. And it's important to have this as your new GPS and to feel them in the core of your gut so your body and brain is using welcome and worthy and cherished and empowered to choose and create relationships versus some of the others like unwelcome or unworthy or what you described it with your man you were not cherished mm-hmm. uh, and you were all that disempowered you were disempowered because he made the choice mm-hmm. uh, so it's important that we have these six rights fully in our brain because we only have the experience in relationships we have the rights for so if you didn't have a right to uh, have your needs met, and you don't feel worthy, you'll find a taker. If you didn't feel um, uh, empowered with choice, you don't have a right to create your own experience, you'll find someone who will dominate you.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense. I, I wonder what you think about uh, getting to know someone because something that I've taught, like I said, I'm doing a fair bit of research right now, and um really talking to a lot of people about their experiences what do you think about the idea of time frame how long it takes to know you want to invest in this person long term not not i i'm i'm still dating and seeing and believing but i've made my decision i want to invest
1: okay there's an art here The one of the first one is usually at the two to three month period. I tell everybody who starts out dating, I don't know what it is, but uh, two to three months. I have some ideas, though. Um, That's when you really start seeing the first person. So you want to make sure before you get too emotionally invested, the two to three months is when people usually can't hide out any longer. They start seeing their real self. But we know, you know. That's what I do is attachment theory. And we know, though, that it takes about two years for your quote-unquote attachment system, the part of your brain that does emotional bonding, to fully invest. And the reason that's the case is trust is a track record, as I say. Uh, You don't, you know, to fully invest, you have to trust. It takes time to find out when there's a crisis. Are they going to be there for me? Uh, Are they going to share influence? To have enough scenarios where uh, they could have chosen to win at your expense, but they chose to create win-win. These are the things. So the ultimate answer to that is it takes about two years of really deep dating to really have your system fully engaged, fully committed, because it just takes time for that part of your brain that does bonding to to feel the the requisite trust.
0: Yes, it makes so much sense. Well, when I've when I've talked to people uh, about where were those red flags that you just didn't want to look at? Where were they? People will say, "Oh, in that first six months," or they'll say, "Right around that two year point," and i i can I can tell you so so many of my experiences i I was really feeling like I had to make a decision at the two year point but I didn't until about the five year point mm. you know i I really wanted to sink a a sense of belief into the idea that you know a little more time or a little more uh, kind of like the stock market you know if I don't go and and grab all my money today. It'll just grow a little more, you know that that kind of idea. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes we're we're coming to know ourselves even even better. And I really think that being in a love relationship is a great way to get to know yourself, let alone another person. I think it's harder to really really know how you are. If you're only with yourself and your kitty cat, you know?
1: Oh yes. Not People much are, risk. Exactly. Dogs and cats are fine, but they're but let's face it, they're not going they they don't have the need for intimacy that a partner does. And that need for intimacy will throw up a lot of mirrors. And it's important to know too, when you look at this first two years we're talking about, that it doesn't mean it's all rosy. No. There are There's a predictable place where conflict comes, uh, where it feels like, oh, where you start seeing the other side of them and disappointment, and that's not necessarily bad. The disappointment phase is, is uh, inevitable, but it's a blessing in disguise, because now you're going from attraction to real commitment, and all of those fights and disappointments that come up It's a way for the system that's naturally set up to test each other say, can I trust you? All this is trust building. If we look at it rightly, um, it doesn't mean that sometimes we can really get a sense that somebody really is wrong for us. But too many people think, oh, I've got some disappointments. We've got some conflicts. We've had some fights. Time to head out the door. No, it's a time to dig in and see if you can work out. Now, if you can't, if somebody won't create a we with you or they're abusive or they're really horribly misaligned, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, in general, uh, in that two-year period, there's going to be a time where you're tested. It's trust-building. And the real issue is, can you learn to share influence and and make each other feel worthy Mm -hmm. of having each other's needs met instead of one at the expense of the other? Can you do... When you've been angry, can you come back and welcome each other with joy, these four feelings I talk about? Or can you cherish and protect each other when the chips are down? Can you empower them with choice and and be behind their dreams? The real key to the book I wrote is that we're using four key feelings from the time we're one to the time we die as how we know when we feel loved. The simple way to navigate a relationship is just notice, am I feeling welcomed with joy? Am I feeling one to ten, you know, uh, worthy and nourished to have my needs met, cherished and protected and empowered with choice? If you can get all of those runners running at eight, nine and tens, you've got a pretty good relationship. And if it can't or it won't, that's a signal this relationship isn't loving and probably won't be lasting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and to enjoy what it's been and and get strong and get ready yes so so articulate articulate you are about this this process of building trust we're talking with Dr. Gary Salier today and we have our second break right now we're going to come right back and start taking our letters stay tuned
2: People join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. MS attacks the brain and spinal cord. It's the most common neurological disease leading to disability in young adults. Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and coworkers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Join us. Together we are stronger. Walk MS Fundraising accelerates research breakthroughs and life-changing breakthroughs. It will take all of our passion, determination, and fundraising to end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Join us. Register today, start a team, and raise funds at walkms.org. Marie, is that you? Oh, hi, Barb. How you doing? Better now. Did you know we had a little health scare with Jeff? Oh, no. What happened? Well, he had been short of breath and was really tired a lot of the time. He just thought he was getting old and was out of shape. But it turns out it was heart valve disease. How did you figure it out? He finally went to the doctor and she was able to listen to his heart and detected the problem. I didn't realize it, but heart valve disease is more common than you'd think. They were able to replace the valve and he's feeling so much better now. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. More than five million Americans are diagnosed with heart valve disease every year, but most people know nothing about the condition and it can be deadly if untreated. That's why it's important to listen to your heart and ask your doctor if your symptoms may be due to heart valve disease or if you're at high risk. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatments for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
0: Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie. I have a website where you can get the replay of this show if you missed one little minute. It's at www.coachdebbie.com. You can always write to me, Debbie, at coachdebbie.com. And that's a great place to find out about my upcoming workshops I offer a writer's workshop. If you're thinking about writing your book, I would love to help you produce that book in a 90-day period. We could always extend it to longer, but what I'm finding is a lot of people are wanting to expedite that book because they've spent the last 30 years thinking about that book. So they're ready to go. I also have a program called Mastermind, And the Mastermind is where you and I and like-minded individuals meet every week for about 12 weeks, and we really, really, really get serious and committed about a a life dream and desire, often around writing, but always around the story of your life. So if you're curious about any of those, I welcome you to go to my website, and that's www.mastermind.com. Coach Debbie dot com, And we're talking today about the idea that it is safe to love. And I remember telling my dear, dear love, this man that I did a radio show with, I loved him so much. He loved me so much. And then he, he really got involved in this idea of success, and I didn't see much of him. And it hurt a lot. And I remembered saying to him, You know, if you and I fail to communicate, the relationship we've built is going to go extinct. You and I will still be standing, but everything we've tried to build will just be as extinct as a dinosaur. And I remember how he just looked at me in shock, and yet it's exactly what happened. It took a number of years, but it's what happened when the relationship starts to... I'm sorry, when the communication in the relationship starts to wither and we wonder what to do. Now, my, my uh, newsletter recipient, Patty, has written in about this. She is in the Mercer Island area, and she's got a great question for you, Gary. Ready? I'm ready. Patty's 53 years old, and she says, I feel like there's so much mystery in love. My big question is always, how do I do this? How do I navigate love? I'm also afraid of falling into codependent relationships because that's about all I've ever done. I don't know what it means to be wise in search for the one. There's so much pressure. Can you help me?
1: Of course we can. Okay, so there's two big things in there, uh, Patty, and thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful vulnerability. The first one is how do you navigate, okay? And then the second one is the codependency, and I'll give you some ideas about that. Navigation these days, I mean, we have a lot, you know, you hear a lot about the list, go out and create a, you know, a vision board, and one of the things we know is that you know, like when you go online, you, get, you can check out all these characteristics. But dating sites know that what, these algorithms don't actually predict what actually goes on. In fact, we know that when couples uh, use compatibility as their way of navigating love, do we, do we have enough things on the checklist that you like and I like that are in common, values, alignment, and some of that is necessary. But we know that compatibility does not predict lasting. In fact, that's what the couples who are disasters use to explain why they didn't make it. Whereas the couples that are lasting are accenting the friendship, that quality, the marital friendship, the relationship. And what I argue in the book is that that, that friendship of feeling that someone's got your back, that someone truly loves you, is, are these four core feelings. Yeah. It really, from the time you're one, your your brain as a baby has been knows it's loved or not. We know that because of attachment theory. If you separate a one to one and a half year old child from a mom, based on how they 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 they, they treat mom when the mom comes back in the room, <clears throat> you can tell what type of love style they have, whether they're anxious or avoidant. Or secure. Secure means they they feel comfortable in love. Avoidant means they they're not comfortable being in a relationship. They want to be on their own. Or the the anxious often want to be in there. They want to get involved, and they and they're afraid when love goes away. Now at one to one and a half, there's no logic. There's no story. There's no picking all sorts of compatibility lists. It's just four feelings. Yes. And these feelings. Are, am I welcome with joy? Welcome with joy is, does he wake up in the morning and go, good morning, gorgeous. Love those curlers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, does he, does, you know, Mm -hmm. make you feel worthy? Um, Is he tracking your needs? Knows ahead of time uh, what your dreams are, who your friends are. Makes, you know, an interior map of your patterns and preferences, and it's okay to reach out. Are you feeling cherished and protected? That means there's a we. You know um, what you were talking about earlier, Debbie. Was you know when you said it was going to be extinct because he he wasn't investing in the we. He didn't get it. He didn't have a writer. He didn't have the skills. Mm-hmm. So is there a we that surrounds you and and you feel cherished? You know you have a home port and a safe haven in their heart, and then empowered with choice. They they share influence with you. Um, they allow you to create your own experience and you have a voice. Now, when you talked about the codependency, I don't use that term very much. I call it a miss. It's either you had way too much right to s- to belong <laughs> and not enough right to separate. As a as child, a child so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the template for love be- is I have to lose myself in love. So it's either you had too much right to belong or related but it's a little different you didn't have enough right to create your own experience there's a little separation but at some point the template for love is i have to lose myself to feel loved Mm -hmm. being a me was not real safe if you have a very controlling mom that rejects you or father if you're yourself and it's just easier making sure you do things to make them happy the little ones it's not safe the best deal is not being a fool, me. It's being in a we, and then it's it either feels suffocating or we feel we have to get lost, and then some part of us gets afraid of that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a catch twenty two. So um, it's again, you were just to make sure you understand. Your brain took the best deal available. Um, was it Cindy? No, Patty. This is pa- Patty. Mm-hmm. Patty, your brain took the best deal available. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, being a mesh in a wee was the best deal available, and being a me was not. So no part of you is wrong. Uh, it was the best deal that kept you on the planet as a little one, so you're here now, Patty, and we like that fact. That part's been working hard for 53 years to keep you on the planet, but no one gave that little part in its security memo uh, an expiration date. And what we'd like to do... Is given an expiration date, so it's safe to be a me and a we, and not just a we.
0: Yeah. Oh, so well said, Gary. And yeah. and Patty and I have had conversations about this through um, coaching. And and one thing I shared with Patty is I I've only had one relationship where I I felt um, solid enough that I wouldn't tolerate the typical codependence. And, and that was just because I was so invested at that point in the friendship. However, our next writer, Drew, is 39 from Sammamish. And uh, Drew from 12-Step uh, Programs is saying that he has an experience here that a lot of people sort of sort of put down, you know, the man that can't seem to choose the mate. So he says, hey, Coach Debbie, I'm glad you're still doing work in the spiritual realms. Thanks for these newsletters. I got a question for you. Now that I'm back in the dating world again, how can I be more conscientious in the early stages of meeting a woman? We say in AA that we have a broken picker. I feel like I've always been the new kid on the block never obtaining an advanced degree in dating. I would be grateful for any advice. This is Drew. So I feel like um Drew is kind of on the sort of the opposite end of Patty, but I I know you'll have great advice for him, Gary.
1: It really comes down to the same thing I said yeah. to this is your original navigation system. These four feelings. If your picker is broken, it's because at one time you, you were made to feel unwelcome, or unworthy, or uncherished, uh, or disempowered. And now this is the funny little bug in the brain, we are always having the experience that we have the rights for. These are reference feelings. Once given that feeling, the brain says, Oh, I survived unwelcome. Let's have that experience again. <laughs> I only have the rights for that. So you'll start picking people you have the rights for and you'll go, Well, how did I wind up with Miss Wrong again? Well, actually it's miss safe to a little one, because that was, you know, unwelcome. It was just the familiar. The key is to go and do the deep work that's not so much the prefrontal cortex that does AA work, but that we can swap out that feeling of whatever it is. Is it unwelcome or unworthy? Mm-hmm. Just check in with your body, Eric. Just check in and say, hey, I want to tell you, you know, am I feeling welcome in these relations? Or do I typically feel unwelcome? And where do I feel it in the body? It will always be in the body. At some point in time, that was the permission slip you were given. That was the right, unwelcome, or unworthy, or uncherished, or disempowered. And what we have to do is the deep work, and it takes more than just what you can do on a radio show. It does take someone <laughs> who knows how to go in and do this. But you have to be able to feel welcome. And when you feel welcome, when someone comes up and disres and disses you or ghosts you, you don't put up twice because you know you have a right to feel welcome. And when someone if you start dating somebody in two months, you realize they can never remember what you what that you you don't drink coffee or they're not really working on meeting your needs. It's all about them. You worthy people don't put up with unworthy people. So um, it's feeling in the core of the your being these I have a right to feel welcomed, worthy, cherished, and protected. And then you just stop picking. Uh, one woman that actually lives in Seattle. Uh, she was had a huge feeling uh, a former client um, of unworthy, and so she was always picking guys that uh, were just wrong that wanted to use her that you know and all these other things right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when we swapped out that feeling of unworthy to worthy, she she's now with a, you know a real fun guy. And they're still uh, uh, figuring this thing out, but it's uh, about feeling worthy. And she says, "Oh my God, I just am picking different people. I don't understand. I'm not even thinking about it. It's because the feeling is running it, and we don't have to think about it when the new feeling is running it." And what she said to me, she goes, "This, you know, it's like, you know, I'm really aligned with myself. This is real emotional freedom." Yeah. So it's it's you. When I say you're not only asking the question, are they welcoming me and making me feel worthy? But you've got to feel it inside. And then when you feel it inside, you naturally give it. So just notice which of these feelings are missing. And that is what you work on. If you work on upgrading those, I guarantee you, at least, you know, we'll find some that can really help you. um, Your picker problems will go away.
0: Mm, Good job. Very well. Well said. Thank you, Drew, for your question. Thank you, and Drew. and thank you, Gary, for for being with me today, and you know for for helping people understand. This isn't about understanding if you've found lasting love because you've invested in two whole dates. This this is about really committing to the friendship, committing to the. The entity of we in a respectable amount of time and and not feeling the rush, but allowing yourself to work with the process of it being safe again. So thank you so much for for being here and for taking our callers and and just offering yourself today.
1: Well, think and thank you very much very much, Debbie. And just notice, that we've done a pretty good job today of making our audience and our listeners feel pretty welcome, pretty worthy. And that's and uh, I think it's a great thing that we've done. and thank you for having me on the show. you you've been a wonderful, soulful host, and uh, it's been an honor.
0: Oh, thank you. I look forward to having you back. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Some of you had the guts to write in. Some of you might have to wait till next time, but, We always appreciate your questions. We like to offer you content that you want in your world. I'll be right back here next Thursday at 4 o'clock for another topic. And until then, take very good care, my friends. Namaste.